Forte Foundation is a collaboration between leading companies and top business schools to launch women into fulfilling significant, significant careers through access to business education, opportunities, and a community of successful women. Our goal is to connect you to the right people and give you access to the tools you need to have the successful business career you, you deserve. deserve. You deserve. This is Meredith Hunt with the Forte Foundation. Welcome to our podcast with one of our 2018 MBAs on the Move role models. MBAs on the Move is an annual campaign that Forte runs that highlights and features exceptional women who have received an MBA who are about five to 15 years outside of receiving their MBA and are making extraordinary contributions to their communities, to their industries, through their careers and have had an interesting career path. And today I'm really excited to talk to Adrienne Weil. She is VP of Strategic Partnerships and Business Development at the American Hotel and Lodging Association. Hi, Adrienne. I'm so glad that you're here with us again today since our initial meeting in February in Washington, D.C. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you again, and Forte appreciates you talking to us and spending time with us. I'm going to dig a little deeper into the interview that we had in D.C., and I want to ask you some more in-depth questions and just get a little bit more you know, from that conversation. When we met in D.C., you mentioned that you were interested in food from a young age, and I know that you were a pastry chef apprentice starting at the age of 14, and then you've subsequently taken that passion and aligned it with your career in, in different ways. I know you worked for the National Restaurant Association then the Partnership for a Healthier America, and now at the American Hotel and Lodging Association. And I'm curious, what advice do you have for someone who has an interest in an area that maybe isn't an obvious fit with a business career? And what can they do to bring together those sort of seemingly disparate interests, if you will? You know, what what advice do you have for somebody who's struggling with that or, or maybe wants to marry their interest with business but doesn't kind of see a direct fit? Sure. I I think it's important to think of different ways in. You know, even the business of a restaurant is a business, and folks might not think of it that way, but the owner or manager of a restaurant is thinking about the P&L statement and everything else, labor, food costs, et cetera, and thinking about different ways to marry your interests in ways that may not be the most obvious choice were really how I've made my decisions. So I thought about, okay, if I'm not necessarily going to work in a restaurant, what are the ways to pull together the pieces of it that I love? So the food piece, the marketing, for me, just the basic question of where do I want to live? And I knew that I wanted to be in the DC region because I'm from here and my family's from here. And understanding that you may not get all of it all at the same time, which is something we had talked about in DC yes, too, but honing that. in honing in on different aspects at different times. So sometimes I focused more heavily on the food piece, sometimes I focused more heavily on the aspect of social responsibility when I was at PHA. And now I'm on a different piece of hospitality. It's not the food side, but it's the lodging side. And thinking about at different points in your career, what really matters most to you. Um, I knew that right after business school, I wanted to stay in DC, establish my network um, more deeply. And so I really prioritized those things. And I was able to focus mostly on food marketing in DC and landed at the National Restaurant Association and was fortunate enough to incorporate some aspects of social responsibility into the work, but it wasn't the core of what I was doing at the time. So I think just looking beyond 
the kind of obvious business jobs that you may hear about in business school, thinking about what matters to you at that point in your life. You know, right now, flexibility is really important to me, having, you know, two young children and talking with as many people as possible. I think informational interviewing is key. I mean, that's how I figured out I didn't want policy and I wanted business. And it was also about understanding, oh, that's a that's a job. I mean, I talk with folks all the time now who said, oh, I didn't realize partnerships could be a position in an organization. So um, really expanding the web of your network and understanding what options are out there and, and going beyond the obvious has been really helpful for me. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I know that since we last met, you have a new job. When we mm-hmm. saw you in D.C., you were VP of Partnerships at Partnership for Healthier America, And now you are VP of Strategic Partnerships and Business Development at the American Hotel and Lodging Association. I'm sure that some of your role, you know, at PHA is transferable to, is it ALA? Do you guys call it ALA? (laughs) Or should I? We don't. We just just say say AHLA. Oh, AHLA. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He's full of acronyms. Yes. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So I'm curious what your new responsibilities are what your objectives are in your new role and just, you know, do you lead a team? How many people just, you know, tell me a little bit about your new role, how it's different and maybe, you know, what's new um, from your last role. Well, you're right that there's a lot that's been transferable and, this role is kind of a culmination of my roles to date, which is how I've tried to build my career. What is new is the industry, as I mentioned. So, you know, while I've had exposure um, to the lodging industry, you know, Weston and Hyatt were two of my partners at the Partnership for a Healthier America. I've certainly had a much deeper dive into the industry writ large um, coming over to AHLA. And what has been transferable is really the function that I'm in and being able to pull from what I learned at both the National Restaurant Association and PHA of how do you structure partnerships, what kinds of benefits are meaningful to people, how do you make them successful and truly mutual in value, Um, and certainly from a networking perspective, having been in D.C. for a while, it's been great to identify ways to pull in folks, you know, who I've worked with in the past. My objectives are, as most associations are, is to support um, the advocacy work that AHLA does and by contributing to our non-dues revenue, um, driving member value and helping protect the industry by virtue of having these resources at our disposal. Um, I know that I'm contributing to that bigger picture, but on the the quote-unquote business side of the association. And it is really an entrepreneurial role within AHLA. Um, It is I and and my direct report, um, and we collaborate on both same as at PHA, you know, prospecting and identifying potential partners and then bringing them over the line and servicing those partnerships. But I was tasked with thinking more broadly about what kind of industries we could be collaborating with and really formalizing and scaling the partnership program here. And I bet you stay at some pretty cool hotels when you travel. <laughs> it well, used to be when, food, and now it's hotel. You're sort of covering the gamut. Of- <laughs> yes. Well, the, um, the the like any association, you know, we we cannot have our favorite children, but right, right. <laughs> um, it's there are a lot of similarities in terms of the folks who are in the industries. So the fact that we're in hospitality and folks care about taking care of other people, that's really the heart of what this industry is about. It's very much what restaurants are about. Um, and so that's been a really nice parallel. Yeah, I could see that. Are there any new skills that you've uncovered? And remind me how long you've been in the role, Adrian, the new role? 
I started at HLA in April, so it's been a little over half a year. Okay. Is there anything, any new skills you've uncovered or insights you've gotten from the new role that something new that maybe you didn't have before, or is it too early to ask that question? Even challenges you've experienced that maybe you weren't you know, expecting to, I don't know. I, one of the things that's been most surprising, I think maybe not so much a challenge, but more of a surprise is that this particular industry is much more fragmented than others in which I've worked. So um, I think most folks typically that my parallel is always, you know, when you think about a really big CPG company, a lot of folks don't realize that the sub-brands underneath roll up to that master brand. And in a similar but slightly different way here, you know, folks think a Marriott or a Hilton is a Marriott or a Hilton. And there are actually a bunch more players involved in the creation and running of a hotel. There are ownership and management companies. There are franchisers. There's a much bigger web of folks engaged. And so I learning the different players and what their roles are and how that all meshes together um, has been something that's just fun to learn. I mean, I'm, I have a curiosity about those types of things. So, you know, realizing all of the different players that make something run and kind of peeling back the layers of the onion is something I really enjoy. Yeah, I I enjoy that too. I should have asked you this earlier, but I'm curious, can you share maybe one project that you're working on right now or something just to give people an example of sort of what the daily life of Adrian is like at HLA? It's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a tough acronym. Um, A day in the life is very much based on whether I'm having, for example, a meeting in which we're explaining what the value of partnership looks like. So it could be with a prospect anywhere along the path of an introductory meeting to we've chatted and are trying to move the ball down the field to hammering out what are the benefits going to be in the time frame of the partnership, et cetera, to a brainstorming meeting with colleagues who right now know the industry much more intimately than I do. And so leveraging their knowledge and figuring out whom should we be approaching, who has the connections to whom. It's a lot of LinkedIn sleuthing and leveraging <laughs> networks um, to identify the right decision makers because that's a key part of crafting the partnership in a way that can move it quickly um, and strategically at the same time is getting the right people in the room. And having a lot of cross-functional connections, I think one of the threads of my career has been serving as a nexus point. So when we, especially at a membership-based organization, want to be talking with a member, having a full view of their engagement, whether that's with our foundation, which does amazing work with career development, or you know, having sponsored an event, or are caring about a particular advocacy issue, it's making sure that I have all my ducks in a row so that we are as coordinated as possible and can figure out how we plug a partner in in ways that's meaningful to them. Yeah. So, Adrian, it sounds like you're networking and you're, I mean, the very nature of your job, your role is to meet with people and network and, you, you know, you're creating connections. And I'm curious, do you consider yourself an extrovert? I would say that I am an extrovert for most of the time, but I definitely need the time to recharge as an introvert. So, like, I love reading. I love cooking. I do, you know, there are some kind of solitary activities that I really leverage to have that time to myself and kind of zone out. And there are certainly situations where if there, you know, is a multi-day conference, you know, towards the end, I get on the plane and I'm just like, I need to chill out. (laughs) Um, But that certainly is part of it. But I also, I think more important than considering myself an extrovert is 
I think one of the things that I enjoy the most is really having connections with people that are real. And I think a lot of times folks think that networking is disingenuous or it doesn't actually lead anywhere. And it's just really important to think about it from the other person's point of view. What value are they looking for? How can you help deliver that? And inevitably, it will come back to you. And it's the golden rule of you know, treating other people as, as you'd want to be treated. I'm very careful to not oversell. Having been on the marketing side, I think you know it's kind of that classic tug of sometimes you see it between sales and marketing of you know promising the world and not always being able to deliver. And so I, I think the fact that I've got that in my head means that I can be very genuine and authentic about what I'm offering someone and make sure that I can execute on that because it's really important to me to be genuine and, and deliver on what I say I'm going to. That's interesting because at the, I believe it was the Forte's 2018 MBA conference this year, and I heard someone in one of the panel sessions or on stage talk about, don't think of networking necessarily as, you know, what am I going to get out of this? But think of it just as a relationship, like a you're getting to know people and what they do. And it's it's a reframing of what networking is. And I think that that's important. It just sounded similar to what you were saying, that it's a genuine connection with people and it doesn't have to be thought of as just you know, what, what am I going to get out of this? Right. I think the best networking comes when you're not being transactional about it. And if you're connecting on something that's not even about work, it gives you an you know even better excuse to reach out. And so I, I always try to get kind of those personal tidbits that we can connect on if it's about a trip or, you know, what kind of pet you have or whatever it is. Um, most folks, when they're in a typical networking situation, are already kind of on guard because they're expecting it to be transactional. And mm-hmm. so kind of shifting the conversation is usually a relief. <laughs> you can, yeah. um, and I think one of the best tips I got in business school was, you know, when you're going in these massive rooms, and a lot of business conferences are like this, it was thinking about it, you know, not as, oh, I'm nervous, and what do I need to get out of this, but actually seeking someone out who's maybe against the wall, or clearly not talking to someone, and having it be your job to make that person feel more comfortable, and inevitably, that works. And you (laughs) feel more comfortable, too. And you feel more comfortable, too, totally. Yeah, I agree, 100%. In your original interview, you mentioned the importance of really understanding your strengths and then going to places that that need those strengths and and maximizing them. And I know many people in their early career, or maybe even when they're still in school, they're not very sure what their strengths are. And I'm just curious if you have any advice for people who don't know what their strengths are, but they, they're just not as clear on what their path is or they don't know what their strengths are. I think a lot of people, college students, um, and I was certainly one of these people myself many years ago, who just don't know which direction to go. Maybe they don't really know, you know, tapping into their strengths is sounds nice, but it's it's not as easy as it sounds. Do you have any advice for how you uncovered your strengths and how people can do that? I think especially when you're early on in, in your career, it's thinking about things that are somewhat timeless. You know, even if you don't have the technical skills for a role, you know, you can show an aptitude for learning, you can demonstrate emotional intelligence or grace under pressure. And a lot of positions leverage those types of skills just as much. And I don't think they're soft. I actually think they're really critical. I mean, being able to write well or being able to um, be poised in front of executives, that's something that serves you well, no matter where you're at in your career. So I I think thinking about things that 
don't rely on where you're at is something that can be helpful and framing it in a different way of what comes easily to you that I think sometimes, especially not to be stereotypical, but often women have a tougher time saying I'm good at X. And so framing it as what comes easily to you, what do your friends compliment you on? What have your colleagues said, you know, whether it's in a project at school or anything else, you know, think of what those folks say, what you're saying and where the commonalities are and not necessarily thinking about it as boasting, but just doing an inventory of what you have that you can bring to a position and not thinking that just because you're early on in your career or even in mid-level that you downplay what that is um, because what goes around comes around. <laughs> um, and I think even with common threads throughout your academic and if it's applicable, your professional experience, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, I've just done this kind of work and any experience you've had will give you something, whether it's a soft skill or a hard skill, quote unquote. And it's important not to downplay it, but just be really objective in yourself and and ask people who will give you the real deal, whether that's a friend or, you know, someone who might not be super close to you, but whom you interact with a lot and get those words and have that be part of your pitch. I think that's great. About 20 years ago, I was struggling with which direction I wanted to go, career direction. Someone gave me some similar advice, which was ask five of your closest friends, send an email or Mm -hmm. ask them to tell you what two or three careers that they think you would be good at. And so I did that. And um, it was really interesting. And there was a lot of commonality there. And so I thought, you know, your friends know you pretty well. And they, you know, observe you in a different way than you can see yourself. And so I think that was good advice to try that. Yeah. And I, and to recognize, I mean, this was something my, my middle school principal said to me, but it's really proven true is that there are a lot of jobs out there that don't exist when you were in high school or when you were in college, or even when you were in business school. I mean, when I think about, you know, my friends who are even a few years ahead of me at Georgetown, there are a lot more opportunities that have arisen just because things move so quickly now, um, which is why going back to the first thing I said of, you know, what are some timeless skills that you can apply regardless of what the industry is or what your function is, that that can give you flexibility. And that's a good thing. I totally agree. So you, you touched on confidence, and I, I do think that there have been a lot of articles written and, and discussions about women and confidence and how often women in, in business roles don't feel as confident as men do. And so I'm curious if you have had to struggle at times with confidence and how you overcame that. Absolutely. I mean, there are a couple of you know common times when, for me, I felt it more than others, which is usually if there's new content that I have to learn and you want to be seen as really conversant in your industry. Um, and just the new job jitters that always happen. In terms of overcoming those challenges, I think it's just remembering that I'm more than my job and I'm a whole person, which is not just what I do, you know, from nine to five, and remembering that I've learned new industries before. So that's actually become something I've leveraged into a strength of saying, I've come up to speed on healthcare, I've come up to speed on restaurants, I've come up to speed on food and policy and nutrition. And it's just important to kind of fake it till you make it to some degree, and also make sure that you are getting smarter about whatever your topic is. So I'm saying fake it till you make it in the sense of projecting that confidence and then doing on the back end what you need to do to actually have that match in terms of your knowledge of the topic or the industry that you're in. 
and getting more confident by pushing my own boundaries. You know, I, I wouldn't have considered myself a strong networker before business school, but how I handle trade shows now or business conferences is directly related to just saying, all right, you know, in business school, it's kind of an open time to figure out how do you maneuver in those situations and build rapport quickly with people and you have the practice time for it. Um, and so continuing to put myself in those situations has been helpful in, in overcoming those moments where you're you might feel a little shaky. Yeah. Adrian, what tips do you have for women who are just starting business school? Any advice you have, wish you had known your first day at Georgetown that you can share with with the audience? It's really important to stay focused on what you really want to do. And whether you're going to business school thinking about X industry or Y function and, and how to pull all of that together, or you really don't know and you're using that time to explore, I just think it's really important, given the investment that you're making in both time and often money, to be true to yourself. And, you know, you might see a bunch of people doing on-campus recruiting. If that is not for you or you have a slightly different path, just follow that. Um, Because at the end of the day, you want to have something that is right for you and not just right for an MBA graduate. Um, And I think that goes for anyone. Um, And similarly, you know, we talked a little bit about stereotypes. Um, and I think it's really important for women to support other women and be good to each other and not think that if, you know, one woman does well, that it takes away from the pie for others. It's really about opening up opportunities for everybody. And that's that becomes even more important when you're out of school because you're leveraging that network and people remember how they were treated. And finally, I would say, do not do all the administrative work. I mean, it didn't matter that, you know, it could be, you know, 2018, and often certain people get stuck with taking the notes or creating the PowerPoint. And sometimes I would just sit there and say, either not say anything, or I'd say, you know, it's someone else's turn, Mm -hmm. and just wait for that to happen. Um, I would like to say, I would like to hope that that, you know, is changing, because it's it's been a few years since I've been in school, but I see it in the working world too all the time. So I would just encourage women especially, but really everyone at large to pass around the responsibilities. Everyone take a piece of it. It makes it more equitable. And that's from kind of a how you do the work and then the what you're actually doing. I think it's just really important to remember why you went in the first place and not necessarily get caught up in the wave of whatever momentum is happening at the time in terms of recruiting. I think you just reminded me of a, a couple of things. One is I've interviewed a lot of women who have gotten MBAs and I've heard sort of a theme, which is be open. This is your time to try new things. Don't get pigeonholed. Try something, mm-hmm. you know, get out of your comfort zone. Try something new. This is a great time to explore. And the other was that I've I've heard this from a lot of women who are, you know, executives now and have many years of experience that you were invited to that meeting for a reason. Say something, you know, feel free to speak up because you were invited and your voice is necessary and important. I think a lot of people feel timid to speak out and share, you know, their opinions sometimes in, in maybe a bigger group or, or maybe a newer group that they're not as familiar with. But I think it's important to remember that, you you know, your presence was was requested for a reason. And so your voice matters. Absolutely. I think both of those are really important. And the best ideas, the best end result typically comes from having more voices at the table. And, you know, particularly, you know, one thing I think that women do tend to be good at is recognizing and reading a room of, you know, that person clearly wants to say something, but 
they may not have said it, and that could be a he or a she, um, and encouraging that person using your voice to amplify theirs. So just to say, it looks like you've got something you'd like to share or something to that effect and opening the floor for them so that they don't necessarily have to jump in, you know, right away. I've, I've seen that a lot, especially with more junior staff and they can have great ideas, but if, if they're not verbalized, you'll never know. Yeah. I, there's a, there should be a verb for that. What, what <laughs> helping your, your colleague out in a meeting, sort of, yeah, you know, helping like, push them to the, I've heard that as well. Um, you know, something that, that people do sort of, you know, push somebody a little bit to, to get their voice heard. So um, I, maybe there is a verb and I just don't know. <laughs> what yeah, it it's is. like, it's like setting it up in volleyball, but yeah. I'm so unathletic. I don't know what that is. <laughs> It sounds good, Adrian. Let's just go with that. Um, so my last question, and, and this is more of a fun question, not so much career oriented, but just curious. I know you said you're a reader, so I know you're you're into something cool. So, um, and I've met you, so I've, I'm going to guess that you are listening, reading, or watching something. Anything you want to share with the audience? Yes. Um, well, when I'm not being um, <laughs> exposed to everything on PBS Kids, I, my husband and I love This Is Us, and I know that's probably a favorite of many since the show is doing quite well, but um, I think that it's an incredibly impactful show. It's really well acted, has a diverse cast. I, we love it. It's like our cathartic weekly show. Yeah. Um, and in terms of books, that is something where I've gotten back into it now because I feel like I've, you know, got my legs under me at the new the new job. Um, and although it was a heavy book, I kind of alternate between a heavier book and a lighter book like, you know, Bossy Pants by Tina yeah. Fey. Um, <laughs> which was hilarious, by the way. The, I love that book. It's great. The, the heavy book, which given the world today, I think is just a must read, is called A Hope More Powerful Than the Sea. It's a refugee story. And it's just incredibly moving. It's really emotional. And who's the author? Her name's Melissa Fleming. And a hope more powerful than the sea. Than the sea. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is also just a beautiful title. Yeah, it is. The the book is a true story, and often you know truth is stranger than fiction. (laughs) Um, I you know I won't give it away, but given what is going on in the world, I felt like it was a very timely book. Um, and as a mom, it is incredibly moving. So um, if, if folks are, are up for a, a heavier read, but a very emotionally satisfying one, that so is a great Bossy one. So Bossy Pants maybe first, or sa- actually probably yes. read um, <laughs> the, first, the heavier book, and then the Bossy Pants is a good combo, maybe. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with us. With so many choices out there, it's always good to get a recommendation for something to read or watch. Thank you so much for joining. And um, it's great to talk to you as always. And, you know, Forte so appreciates your involvement in this role model campaign 2018. And just really excited. And for people who want to learn more about Adrienne and her career path can go to Forte's website and check it out. Thanks so much, Meredith. If you'd like to learn more about the Forte Foundation, please go to www.fortefoundation.org. 